shooting. Skimmer Way near Lakewood, Charles 478, Tango. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now the always entertaining Chris Zebalero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well, welcome everyone once again to Inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Zebalero, and let's go ahead and bring him in here really quick. I know that you guys don't like to wait to hear his voice because I know I don't. Kelly Grayson. Kelly, how are you? I'm fine, man. I am capital. What's going on there? I mean, you sound like a little, you sound like you're tired or something. Get, get, put a little what? pep in your voice. Where's the pep? Uh, the <laughs> I used all my pep this weekend. Uh, I'm actually, I'm actually a contented dude, man. I, I, uh, I got through with EMS Expo and flew out to uh, uh, Oklahoma City and picked up my truck and and headed over to my my shooting weekend in uh, in Southern Colorado at Blogorado. So I got to hang out with my tribe and turn a few thousand rounds of ammunition into smoke and noise and eat great food. And, uh, I'm batteries recharged, man. I'm feeling great. That's good. So what that'll get you through like next Tuesday then? Yeah. Yeah, probably it's, uh, I'm, I'm suffering for, from a little bit of post bloggerado letdown. Uh, but, um, right. I'll, I'll get through that. The reason it was Colorado, the reason food was good is probably that special ingredient, that special herb they put into that food. <laughs> no, it's uh the 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 only special ingredient in this food is uh is love. Love, that's funny. Yeah, it's love. It's well, lovingly dude. prepared. You know, so Kelly, I think one of the things that is, is really interesting is uh, it's been kind of a uh you know, a whirlwind past couple of weeks, you know, you and I were mm-hmm. in Oklahoma City and we had a great time oh, yeah. there. A great group of people and uh, awesome conference, and I think that uh, you know as that grows, that should become a regional e- uh, pediatric EMS conference. So we really enjoyed uh-huh. that. Then EMS Expo. So I-, I was just curious to ask: Was there anything down at the conference this year that really kind of you know piqued your interest, or that really was the uh, you know a catalyst to say you know this is really what's going to be good for EMS in the next year? Or so is there anything going on down there that the listeners need to know about? Well, there were a few. There were a few things that that stood out to me uh, from from uh, touring the exhibit hall floor. Uh, you know, namely new technology that you see at, at every uh, EMS World Expo, and and uh, pre-hospital point of care ultrasound was was uh, a big uh, a big hit. Uh, there were several sessions on that, and there was a, a still not an advocate. Demonst- still not an advocate. Well, uh, there's a whole lot of stuff. Um, that now, whether it is cost effective, I, I don't know, but the, the units are coming down, uh, and becoming cheaper and cheaper every day. There's talk of a new app that broadcasts its images via Bluetooth to your smartphone. So, uh, that could be a game changer in and of itself. Something you could just pack in the side of your trauma bag and, and, uh, pull up your tablet and smartphone and look at the, uh, at the images displayed there. But man, you know, a little bit of everything, uh, Identifying pneumothoraces, tension pneumothoraces, uh, the the fast exam, and and some takeoffs on that, and there and and other types of trauma exams. Um, what was the one? You thing? know, it could be the difference. It could be the difference between moving um, between uh, making a informed decision on on uh, uh, transport destination versus an uninformed decision. For example, you know, you have a patient with equivocal signs, um, but you think there might be some internal bleeding and you got a toss-up. Do you go to a trauma center uh, 35, 40 minutes away or an hour away, or do you go to a community hospital that has some capability uh, that is closer? 
Um, and you may, you may look and, and that, that pre-hospital ultrasound tells you, you know, whether this guy's bleeding internally, uh, and probably is going to need a surgeon in the next few hours. Uh, so you, you make that decision from there. It's, I don't really see the point. I mean, I don't really see the problem with having more information. I really don't. You know, I think the more we know about our patients, the better off we are and the better off our patients are. And whether applications, uh, more applications grow from that and, and whether whether that's beneficial, I think time will tell. But um, I hardly think that, that it's a bad thing. Um, and uh, I'm, you know, I'm not well versed in it yet, but I'm becoming a fan. Well, there were other the, things. Yeah, let me ask you. I mean, what was the one thing that really kind of stood out that, you know, this next year, 2017, that we should really try to, uh, you know, as EMS providers, spend some time on and, uh, you know, something we need to learn for better patient care or maybe even safety? Well, one of the things that uh, I participated in, our good friend and fellow blogger, Sean Eddy, uh, roped me into being a participant in an EMS rescue task force, uh, and and of course with the with the frequency of active shooter incidents uh, that have uh, cropped up in the last couple of years, um, that promises to be something that's a, a bit of a, uh, a sea change in the way we view uh, scene safety and 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 yeah. our operations uh, <clears throat> in those types of incidents. That's um, a good one. That's it, a good one. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I won't say eye-opening because I knew somewhat the the workings of of the rescue task force, and and having been long, long ago, and and forgotten most of it, a tactical medic. Uh, it was. Uh, it was pretty cool stuff. Um, I think the thing that really stuck out to me was the quality of simulation. Now has has really really taken off. Uh, to to give our our listeners a, a bit of a background, uh, one of the the things that uh, the rescue task force uh, um, encourages is in active shooter incidents. You know, time is of the essence, and and in quite a few of these, if we wait uh, until the scene is formally cleared by police, uh, a number of people will will probably bleed to death. Um, and there is a chance. Uh, we don't have strong scientific evidence on this, but it's you know intuitively obvious that that. Uh, that um, you know, bleeding control and and uh, and a, a few some rudimentary trauma care may may be able to save lives uh, in very time sensitive injuries. Um, but the the advocacy is is that we start operating as part of a rescue task force and go in the warm zone before the act the whole scene is is totally clear uh, and one hundred percent safe. Um, and you know, you you and I have talked about this. We've talked about the the the, the way we approach scene safety in EMS has to shift and right. has to to uh, update current threats and current thinking instead of this static scene safe BSI and and then your instructor says yes, the scene is safe. Um, but uh, we we participated in this little rescue task force with a simulated uh, active shooter and, and four victims down. And, and the way it works is that you go into the warm zone, but you're, you're not in there totally uncovered. Uh, the, the room that the room or the, the area that you're going to be in has been swept. Uh, and there, there are no active shooters, you know, uh, capping off rounds over your head. Uh, yeah. Cause that's I think a, that that's that, a misconception. I think that that's going to be one of the big concerns, but so let me ask you this question then for the people that are out there. I mean, cause this is a paradigm that we have to now shift to. One of the things that we were doing at Christian hospital was we were getting ready for our warm zone training. And I think this mm-hmm. was supposed to happen in September. 
And on August 9th, the Ferguson crisis kicked off and the ambulances were right in the middle of all the mess and all the rioting and all the looting. And, you know, we were really kind of, uh, you know, we liked cover until we kind of figured out where to be. And uh, it would have re- it, when we did finally have the training, it was really good to marry the experience along with the training to see how in real world, you know, because a lot of times the training that we go through is, uh, you know, uh, and I think I said this when we were in Oklahoma City, you know, you intubate that little pediatric mannequin uh, to learn the, the motions. But when you actually put a laryngoscope in a three-month-old, uh, it's nothing that compares yeah. to that little mannequin with the balloons on it. But so w- when we think about, you know, doing this training now, what do you think is the the top three things that an EMS provider needs to know about uh, accessing the warm zone? First of all, safety and communication. You know, you, you have to be uh, in communication with, uh, with the, um, uh, the tactical team uh, and, and know them well enough uh, that you, uh, you know what, what the procedure is, what the moves are going to be. Um, you, this is not the time to, to form an ad hoc rescue task force. Uh, if you're going to be uh, in that situation, um, you need to practice. You need to train with the with the uh, shooters uh, and and know each other's moves like the back of your hand. Um, that's probably the big takeaway. The other one is 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 that you really can't uh, simulate the stress, uh, the adrenaline dump, and and the the uh, the psychological effects, uh, time compression, everything else of operating in that sort of environment. Uh, the the simulations do a fairly decent job of it. It's physically strenuous. I would say that that training and and uh, education and communication with the with the TAC team uh, are probably the the big things that we really need to focus on if you're going to participate in a rescue task force. It's not something that that uh, that we can pull together and and just have people uh, have people do as ambulances arrive. Say, hey, you 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 and you y'all uh, y'all come on come on with us and, and get geared up. We're going to be the rescue task force. Uh, yeah. That's not going to work. Uh, on the other hand, we do need, I believe, to to give new EMTs uh, at least the the minimum skill set to be able to respond in that environment. What is the um, minimal skill set? You think the big thing they need to understand situational awareness, and that's and that's something we we generally suck at because we don't specifically train on that. I mean, Chris, when you how many times have you seen it when when people practice their their patient assessments? Skills or their national registry uh, skills, uh, scene safe BSI is, is just a mantra we we right. uh, speak yeah. at the beginning of the station, but but the scenario never changes. Uh, it's not really all that dynamic uh, in terms, of, at least of, of uh, safety. Um, so we we tend to treat it as something that we just watch right there at the beginning, right. uh, and and you see this in the objections uh, of people uh, to. Um, Things like rescue task forces. They say, oh, we don't go in until the scene is safe. Uh, well, yeah, you do go in before the scene is safe because no scene is truly uh, is is truly 100% safe. Yeah, I mean, uh, those at- aren't the scenes that – those aren't, you know, the, the, the quote-unquote uh, unsafe scenes aren't the ones that kill us because we don't go in those until, until, fire, uh, until law enforcement has cleared it. The ones that turn on us are the innocuous scenes where law enforcement is not present uh, and we weren't aware of the changing paradigm and, and we lacked situational awareness to realize that it was about to go rodeo. And that's the thing that we don't do. I mean, we're, we're good at looking at the scene and saying, okay, it's safe, but we're not good at mm-hmm. managing scene safety. 
And uh, as you said, it would really be good, you know, as a skill uh, as a skill station to say that you're in the middle of a patient assessment or a trauma assessment. All of a sudden, the evaluator says, "Okay, your scene has become unsafe. What are you going to do?" And yeah. I think we really need to get at that. But let me ask you this: so, you know, I think you're bringing up some really good points about. Uh, you know, and, and I really one of the things that I would want to add to the new EMS providers that are coming in. I, I also think we need to give them critical thinking skills. So, besides the mm-hmm. situational awareness, I think when you have a little bit of experience as a paramedic, as an EMT, you're picking up a little bit more of that situational awareness because you're looking mm-hmm. around and you don't know where those dangers can come from. But let me ask you this question oh, yeah. because you know I went through uh, tactical medicine training. You went through tactical medicine training. You know, you are very good with uh, you know defense with hand guns and and, uh, with weapons so my question is this though you take the average emt or the average paramedic and you put them into a situation where they're going into the warm zone how do they best control their emotions because i'm going to think that you know your pulse is going to increase your blood pressure is going to rise your breathing your eyes are going to dilate i mean you're going to be right in the middle of stuff your heart's going to be racing how do you control that emotion now when you're supposed to deliver the best patient care possible but yet uh, you're in a situation that you've never been before that you don't know if you can really trust. I don't know that there is a blanket answer to that. Uh, for me, I would say the, the thing to control your stress is focusing on your training, your communication, and your faith in your teammates. That would be the thing that would help me keep focus. And the other point to remember is, is, is that participating in, in operations like that even though if you've been a, a paramedic for 25 years and you worked in the, the worst of the inner cities, that's out of your wheelhouse. And, and a lot, you know, it may have been 10 years since you felt a good adrenaline rush, but that's because the, the daily stresses you're exposed to in your job, um, you've, you've had your stress inoculation for that. This is a new thing entirely. Um, and participating in that sort of thing is probably apt to, uh, to rattle you a little bit. And for me, it would be uh, whenever I am stressed, uh, I, the things I focus on are process and communication, um, and they help me focus and, and, and think clearly. Uh, and that's something they incorporate into the, into the, uh, the task force concept. They, uh, um, they, they focus on, on briefing and, and, and adequate gear gear and, and, and equipment and, uh, and uh, communication. Um, give you an example of how this went down. They've got a bit of a, a curtain maze at the uh, in one corner of the exhibit hall, uh, and they give you a brief uh, uh, PowerPoint presentation or a, a kiosk type presentation, letting you know the overview of the rescue task force. And you move to your next room and you gear up and you're you're briefed on the situation. Um, and they enter the room and they go around through the maze and they enter the room in a in a diamond formation. You've got your point man, your right and left flank guys, and your uh, uh, and your rear guard and rear security and uh, in a typical diamond formation. And you're between those four men, uh, those four trained shooters. And as you, uh, as you move forward, you put your hand on the plate carrier of the person in front of you. And you also, you know, your point man will, will announce you're moving and, and everyone echoes that uh, and moves forward. And when he calls halt, you stop there. Uh, and in our case, in our particular scenario, the room we were uh, clearing was to our right uh, where the victims were. So the point man in the right flank uh, peeled off, swept the room high and low. Uh, and once the room was clear, they called out medics up. 
so when we came in the room, there was nobody there but the uh, but the the good guy shooters and and three victims who were who were pretty badly hurt. And these victims were uh, were um, high fidelity mannequins that uh, that were had voice recordings and everything. They screamed at you. They begged. They wept. They cried. Uh, <laughs> they gurgled and and had difficulty breathing and everything. It was just like talking to a to a real traumatized patient, except that the uh, patient didn't respond to your commands. Um, and uh, they were they were all life size and weight. Uh, so um, it was pretty. Pretty interesting stuff. Pretty stressful in it that um, you're trying to uh, assess a patient that uh, that can't talk to you, can't communicate. He's panicked. He's and and the 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 noise and 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 that sort of thing is uh, um, is, is a bit challenging. So the, they try to make it as realistic as possible, but. Um, I think that the thing that you focus on is, is your training and, and your faith in your team members that they're going to keep you safe, that your shooters are going to have cleared the, the room, uh, and uh, that if, if the shooter decides to double back, they're going to take him out. Yeah, but one of the things so. that you just said that I thought was interesting was that you were kind of in the formation and the diamond pattern as they were moving in, then they swept the room to the right, high and low, and then when they said that the – you know the um, Room was clear. They said medics up, and then that's that's your part of the of yeah. this. So, but what if there was a shooter in that room, or what if a shooter came around the corner? I mean, you're you're right in the middle of all that, uh, you know, of that formation, and and uh, uh, you're kind of a sitting duck, aren't you? Yeah, I don't know if sitting duck is the proper terminology. Uh, no, you're not in the room. And if a shooter were in that room, uh, they'd have to engage a shooter. And yeah, there would be there would some be be some bullets flying. Uh, that's not really the and, war and zone, scary. Then, is it? Well, that's not really the yeah, war zone. I don't I don't know. Uh, I would say uh, um, if uh, if a shooter has eyes on you and can and can obtain a sight picture on you, you you're far outside the warm zone and you're in the like burning hot, fitting to get smoked zone. But um, uh, and you know, simulation, even, even with a, a simulation, you, if you know anything about firearms, you know, that, that, uh, um, well, I know they kill they, you. They, How about that? I know they kill you. You know, that two twenty three rounds are not going to be stopped by drywall and plaster and, and framing studs. Uh, they're, they're going to perforate the walls and, and whoever happens to be on the other side. So yes, there is some element of risk. That's why they call it the warm zone and not the cold zone. But once again, you know, and I think that's something that every provider has to uh, has to take into consideration. What risk are you willing to take, and how well can you mitigate it? That goes back to our our shifting paradigm on scene safety. Um, we we have to accept that no scene is ever truly safe, and the name of the game is risk mitigation. Uh, so, what are you comfortable doing, and and what uh, what steps have you taken to mitigate the risk? Uh, is the question not whether is the scene uh, safe because you know uh, there all scenes are dynamic and and changes and changes occur and and uh, uh, the the situations shift. So yeah, I think that's interesting. So you know it's really good that you had this opportunity to kind of see it and you know to kind of feel it. So <clears throat> if if you were going to pass off some advice to the people who are listening, then. Because I think that this has to be a, a, you know, and I don't know what situation it is. I don't know that I feel comfortable with my people, uh, you know, going into uh, into that area in this scenario that we just gave. And hopefully, you know, as we start to look at, uh, you know, doing this more and more, uh, we find a, 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 a better way to do this, you know. But uh, with that said, though, 
as you now think about the future, Kelly, and maybe for a goal in 2017 for mm-hmm. the EMS providers that are out there, how do they now think about preparing for this and uh, feeling comfortable with the opportunity to be right there? I mean, really within minutes of uh, mm-hmm. a shooting to try to help save some of these people who are laying on the floor and, you know, gurgling and screaming. And, and so what do they do? How do they figure that out? Well, you know, first of all, I think this is not something that you can approach ad hoc. I think it should be incorporated into our initial training. But the, the thing to keep in mind is is that even if you never participate in a rescue task force and that's not your role and that sort of thing, the skills learned there are applicable elsewhere. And 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 I would say the, the two primary skills are training and coordination and situational awareness. And that's something we could all use more of, even if we're not in a tactical situation. Um, I can't count the number of times that, that I've uh, – saved a rookie partner from something, you know, from doing something stupid because he wasn't focusing or he was focusing solely on his patient, not his surroundings. Uh, and, and you had to, to get them out of the way or to, uh, keep them from, from doing something foolish or, uh, they didn't realize that family was getting a bit hostile and it was time to, uh, stop what we were doing and get on out of there. Um, that sort of, you know, that, situational awareness and 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 some degree of of communication with your partners uh uh assuring each other's mutual safety is is vital uh, and that's something that we need to incorporate um my my lesson to instructors would be is 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 start making your your training scenarios more dynamic uh and and don't fall into the same old paradigm where we focus solely on the assessment skills uh and and that first part of your of the skill sheet where it says scene safety um we just pay lip service to us yes scene is safe no make the scene unsafe at some point give it some changing dynamics make it as realistic as possible uh and see how uh students will will react to that um the more exposure they have to it, the more comfortable they'll be making uh, that we'll be uh, in making those decisions. I remember my uh, my EMT instructor many years ago, and it was a practice I adopted. Uh, he would the first couple of patient assessments that we were really tested on. He put a blank pistol under the victim, and we'd say "scene safe BSI." Uh, or if you didn't say "scene," <clears throat> if we said "scene safety." Um, and we controlled the victim's hands when we turned the patient over, um, the, the blank pistol stayed on the floor. Uh, but if we didn't control the victim's hands when we rolled him over, he'd roll over with that blank pistol and shoot at you with it. Uh, and, uh, you know, the burned hand teaches best. Once, you, once you've uh, had your victim roll over and, and cap off a few blank rounds at you, um, scare the mess out of you. You learn not to do that anymore. Uh, right. You learn yeah. to, to take a, you know, view scenes with a more critical eye. Right. Those things, uh, things helped me as a, as a young EMT. I think there's something that should be incorporated into every classroom. But, hey, that's what I think about it. Um, We'd like to hear what you think. So email us your questions, concerns, comments, suggestions. Tell us what you think of the EMS Rescue Task Force and what you think of uh, pre-hospital care ultrasound at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself and co-host Chris Sabalero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week.